Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. When Jesus prayed, there is a time when Jesus prayed and the content of his prayers are revealed in intricate detail. That Jesus prayed is surprising and not surprising. It's surprising he prayed because of who he was. He was the God-made man. So if there was a person you think would need to pray, it was him. Yet he was our example. We are taught to walk in his steps. And as he was baptized to fulfill the plan, so too does much of Jesus' actions have to do with you and me. He lived that we may live Christ-like. He became the Son of Man, that we may become sons of God. So his prayers were more for us, we could say, than himself. The Gospel of John is in a league of its own, separated from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that largely tell the earthly story and history of Jesus. But John, he doesn't begin with genealogies. He begins in the heavens. In the beginning was the Word, The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. It seems that John wanted us to see Jesus in a wholly different light, just as he would see Jesus in a different light in Revelation. No longer the baby in Bethlehem's manger focused on by Matthew and Luke, but no, the risen, glorified, and exalted Christ who fills heaven and the universe. John seemed to say, I knew him on earth, but what I saw while carried away in the spirit forever altered how I view Jesus. And he carries that amazement over into this gospel. And so the genealogies are not there. The Christmas story, it's not found there. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels, wise men, gone. We have in Jesus heaven invading earth. To be specific, we have the Lord God Almighty stooping to his creation. God drew near. That's what John wanted us to see. God, the Lord God Almighty drew near his creation. And it's John who captured how Jesus really prayed in the 17th chapter of his gospel. Whoa, we just dove into it there, didn't we? Let me just say, this is Ken Gurley. This is Daily Devotion. All of this week, we're discussing calling out on the name of the Lord. What a privilege we have to go to the Lord in prayer. I want to say thank you for being a part of this today. And I hope this blesses you because I sense something amazing is developing in our spirits when we began to discuss calling on the name of the Lord. There is a power here. Let's set the stage for John 17, that great high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something about the Gospels, you notice that the closer you get to Calvary, the Gospels begin to slow down, where you may be gallivanting over great territory and time lengths early in the Gospels. The closer you get to Calvary, The gospel writers just want you to know, as moved on by the Holy Spirit, to slow down and consider what you're reading. 
So let's do the countdown to Calvary in the Gospel of John. It actually starts in John 11. Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead as a precursor, as a harbinger of what was coming. It was at that moment the high priest began to plot to kill Jesus. That's John 11. The next chapter, John 12, Mary anoints the feet of Jesus. Judas gets angry that she's wasted the ointment. And Jesus then and there predicts his own death. And Judas prepares to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Then comes John 13 for what's called the Upper Room Discourse. It's going to span five chapters in John's gospel, from John 13 to John 17. And so much happened in that upper room. First, the Last Supper, Jesus points out his betrayer in Judas. He tells Peter, you're going to deny me. And so the Last Supper is over and time really begins to move like molasses. John 14, Jesus tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. And Philip says, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been so long time with you? You don't know who I am. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In that same chapter, he tells them he's going away. He's going to prepare a place that he will return. But in that same context, he promises to send the comforter. You're not going to be alone, he said. I will come to you. Then John 15. Remember, Last Supper is over. Judas is racing to the priest. Jesus is talking about who he is, the coming spirit, the vine that supports their spiritual lives, abide in the vine. And we always accelerate the betrayal to the garden, the trial of Jesus. But we've gone through two complete chapters of Jesus slowing down and revealing things about the future to his disciples that he had only shared in seed form previously. John 16 he begins to comfort his disciples. He preaches his own funeral in advance. He gives them comfort and hope for the trying days that are ahead. We're still in the upper room when we finally get to John's 17 hours have been spent up there. Jesus is taking time to wrap his arms around his followers before the most tumultuous day of their lives. After chapter 17, we're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. But now Jesus gazes into heaven, and 11 men watch and listen in wonder to the real Lord's prayer as Jesus began to pray. 26 verses, three sections. Jesus prays for himself. He prays for those listening to him. And then he looks into the future and he prays for you and me and the believers of all ages. It is the great high priestly prayer. It is the foreshadowing of Jesus' new office, the ancient of days with no beginning, no ending after the order of Melchizedek, the one who is healer and deliverer and soon to be savior is stepping into this mediator role, the one who in our daily lives 
intercedes for us. The one who just said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, now says, Father, the hour has come. How do you explain that in a theological sense? Is this a person praying to another person? If so, how can it be? Because he had just said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A better explanation is that we are serving the God who is forever one, the God who is creator, the God who is redeemer, the God who is life giver and sustainer, the one living God. He prays. Oh, how he prays. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that upper room? to see Jesus pray. I know people focus more on the prayer in Gethsemane, but in this high priestly role with 11 people watching, he took on a new dimension, an intercessory dimension, since he was fully God and fully man. It's that nature like us that cries out, and I'm so glad he did. In fact, that's what's alluded to later in the prayer, that the former glory would return. The glory that Peter, James, and John saw for a moment at the Mount of Transfiguration, glistening, no longer momentary, was soon to be eternal. Someone compared this to running a race in a tosag. In Christ, God limited himself. He obscured his glory. He hid himself in our midst. Occasionally, the glory shone through. But Jesus was preparing to lay down that mortal body. He would no longer be hindered. He would occupy the throne that was his for all eternity. But I want to focus on two things in this great high priestly prayer. First, Jesus said, my hour has come. Up until now in his ministry, we see Jesus saying, my time is not yet. My hour has not come. But here the alarm clock sounds. The timer rings. It's time. Perhaps this is what the habit of prayer does for all of us. It makes us aware of God's timing, of God's calendar, of God's scheduling of events. We live lives that are ordered by the Lord. The second thing I would point out is that Jesus is praying in this prayer for you and me. Two-thirds of the Lord's prayer in John 17 was about others. He prayed for those 11 who were nearby. He prayed for those of us who were coming on the scene. Do you remember when Jesus told Peter that he would deny him? It's in the same setting, although Luke gives us a full account of it. Before the rooster would crow twice, the future chief apostle would deny the Lord three times. Just before he said that, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you fully come back to me, when you fully convert it, you're going to strengthen your brethren. It's as if Jesus was softening the blow. Before I tell you that you will fall, before I tell you you will deny me and curse my name, I need to tell you, I've prayed for you. You're going to get through this. And there will be a redemptive purpose in it all. What does that do for you today? I know what it does for me. That each and every time that I failed God, God already knew I was going to fail him. And by knowing it, he had prayed for me. That the high priest of my soul 
is interceding for me. God wants you to make it sometimes more than you want to make it yourself, perhaps. He wants you to get through this. He wants you to overcome. This knowledge is going to do three things for you. First of all, it will transform your prayers because you know God's pulling for you. He is for you. It will transform your prayers first. Second, it will transform your obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Knowing his love for us, we can love him and trust him and obey him. And third, it will not only transform our prayers and our obedience, it will transform our confidence. There will be a knowledge that we will get through this. You will make it because he said you will. I wish you and I could have been there that night to hear Jesus pray. No wonder those who heard him became great people of prayer. This is called the high priestly prayer. And Jesus has made you and me a kingdom of kings and priests that we are to pray in a similar manner. Pray for ourselves, pray for others, and pray for the future of those who are arising. Pray for those who are going to rise up in the midst of all of this and usher in the single greatest spiritual awakening this world has ever seen. I believe when we stand in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ and we don the priestly garments as a priest unto the Most High God, that we are going to see amazing things happen in our personal lives and in our family lives. God bless you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.